Hey there, everyone. Welcome back to Mark Ridley's Comedy Castle Podcast. As always, I'm your host, Tom McCarthy. So happy to be with you. So happy to be with you here in the last week of September 2022. Oh my goodness. This year is flying by. This month is flying by. I hope all of you are enjoying your September thus far. I'm fresh off some Really fun shows up in northern Michigan, Traverse City. I don't know if any of our listeners have been. I guess if you're listening to the show in the metro Detroit area, you've probably wandered your way up to Traverse City at some point in time. But holy cow, the Leelanau Peninsula up there, the wineries. I felt like I was in Napa Valley, Sonoma, a little bit greener, people with Midwestern accents. It was really, really cool. Fun weekend. Good to be back home, back in the Mark Ridley's Comedy Castle podcast studios, bringing you another great interview. We've got Mike Brody on today's show. Mike is a terrific comic. Had him on about three years ago right now. It's the first time I spoke to Mike Brody. He's been up to lots of awesome things since then. He's got a terrific dry bar special out right now called Not Afraid of Butterflies. I highly recommend it. Mike Brody will be our headliner next weekend. That would be, let me get my calendar in front, of, in front of me, October 6th, 7th, and 8th. We got Mike Brody in town. This weekend is busy as ever at Mark Ridley's Comedy Castle. Let's, how about we do that? Let's do some housekeeping and let you know what's going on here at Mark Ridley's Comedy Castle, one of the best, finest comedy clubs in all of America, because it is a busy week as always. Tuesday the 27th, it's our Detroit to LA Comedy Challenge. New and up-and-coming comics vying for cash prizes in stage time in Los Angeles. This is our biggest contest that we run on an annual basis. Uh, lots of great comics have kind of come through here, and many of the winners have gone on to some big things. So come catch them while you can. Catch them when they're on their way up. Again, that's our Detroit to L.A. Comedy Challenge. That's at 7.30 Tuesday the 27th, Wednesday the 28th, our world-famous open mic night, 7.30 p.m. These open mics have been rocking well. First of all, the Castle Open Mic for years has been one of the premier open mics in the Midwest. But just the way the crowds have been building here uh, in the last year, really, really since we started kind of climbing out of the the haze of the pandemic, it just the, the craving that people have for live entertainment and live comedy is just so awesome. And we've been putting a lot of people in that showroom on Wednesday nights. Want to keep it going? So come out to a show if you haven't. Again, that's our open mic on Wednesday, the 7.30, excuse me, Wednesday, the 28th at 7.30 p.m. And then I guess I should have like a, a, a sound drop here where I can do a drum roll because Joe List really does warrant <laughs> a drum roll. Uh, Joe List, first, let, let me say one thing about Joe List. He's a huge comic right now. Many of you already know him, but he is the epitome of a comics comic. If you, if you were to pull 20 comics... On who their favorite, who their top five comics are, Joe List is just one of those guys who's who, who makes so many people's um, top five list. Powerhouse comic. He's got a new special out right now, which I think is, oh my gosh, am I going to botch this? I think it's just called New Material, isn't it? Oh, this year's Material is Joe List's most recent special. It's fantastic. You can find it very easily. I pulled down mine on YouTube. So anyhow... There, there, there are there's some accolades for Joe List. He is awesome. He is a powerhouse. We try and get him in here once a year. This is his weekend, the 29th through the first five shows. These shows sold out last year. I expect they'll do the same this year. So get your tickets, get them quickly. 
Call the castle at 248-542-9900. Go to the castle website at comedycastle.com. You can get your tickets right there. It is easy peasy, okay? So, Joe List, let's do a rundown of his shows. Thursday the 29th at 7.30 p.m. Two shows on Friday the 30th, 7.15 and 9.45. And then on Saturday, the 1st of October, early show is 7 p.m. 9.30 p.m. on The Late Show. You are not going to want to miss Joe List while he is in town. So come out, say hi. And then, of course, we got another crazy busy week next week. That let, Let's wait till next week until I bring you all the details on that. Because, again, today's guest, Mike Brody, will be our headliner next weekend. Okay, I think we've covered all the bases. I think I can just about step aside and 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 hit play on my conversation with Mike. You know, the only other setup um, that I want to give that you'll that you'll hear early on in our conversation here is uh, I've never met Mike personally. Um, as you know, comics who run in somewhat the same circles and and kind of play some of the same clubs, I know of him. I've got some friends who know Mike and have worked with Mike, but I remember connecting with him three years ago when I spoke because of dogs of all things. Uh, I'm a big I'm a big pet lover. I'm a big dog lover. We've been without our little Dachshund Dixie now for gosh, well, I guess it's been a year and a half. I get lost on the timelines, but it's still it is still so gut wrenching when you lose a pet. And Mike, when we spoke three years ago, he had some really good material on his dogs, and and now when I see it on his dry bar special, some of the material on his dogs is just amazing. So um, I think you're gonna like the way we step into this interview. Not not necessarily talking. <laughs> comedy right off the bat but warming up with a little little conversation and our favorite little furry friends it was a real good easy conversation great way to start off my week here at mark ridley's comedy castle uh i think that's all you need to know so sit back and enjoy this conversation with mike brody hey ladies and gentlemen on the other end of my line is mike brody we're so excited to have you back in town mike how are you I'm fantastic. How about yourself? I'm doing great. The first thing I have to ask you is, how's Frosty? He's fantastic. He is sleeping right next to me right now. Uh, <laughs> I remember. So, far, so good. I remembered, uh, you know, when um, when Mark, you know, sends me a list of the interviews I need to set up, and uh, I saw your name come through. I said, okay, I remember Mike. I had him on last time he was in town. So when I went to text you, the first thing I see our text exchange from three years ago is still on my phone. And for some reason, I sent you a picture of my dachshund, Dixie, in a referee's uniform. Oh. And I'm like, what? How did I connect with this guy that I was showing him such a personal part of my life? And then when I started prepping and saw your dry bar special, I was like, oh, my gosh, yes, Frosty and Daisy. And what's what's? there's a third one, too, that I'm. Yeah, Daisy, Frosty, and Mo. They're, they're all right here. <laughs> so to refresh your memory. And our, and our comedy listeners will love this when I start off talking about dogs. But my wife and I have had three dachshunds. Dixie, since we last spoke, has has gone to heaven. She was 16 years old, so that was hard. We're still recovering. But I can tell you, my wife and I, after, after every dachshund we've had, we're like, never again. Never again. And now we're starting to get that itch again to bring in another dog. And of course, it's going to be a dachshund. We can't get away from them. Right. <laughs> yeah, no, it's definitely like it's like uh it's like once you get one you have to keep doing the same kind. It's uh it's an addiction. <laughs> it's like you're convinced it's like okay, if we just get one more, this one won't be as lovably messed up as the other ones were. And it it hasn't worked out in three three times for my wife and I. 
Oh yeah, Frosty's like he's he's deaf and he's uh he's got some physical issues that he's always had. So mm-hmm. he's just and he's like I think he's about thirteen right now. Well, let's yeah, he's let's, as strong as ever. Let's fall in love with a breed that's known for peeing on everything. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, one of them one of them's the half golden retriever, half wiener dog. Yeah, that's it's, I've actually got a picture of Daisy in front in my eyes. I've got a picture of Daisy in front of me right now, and she is adorable. I would not guess by looking at her that she's a mix. I see some. You said a golden. Yeah, golden retriever. Golden and dachshund. Okay, I see it. I see it now. Oh my god, that face! If only you could replicate the face of a cute dog, the world would be your oyster. <laughs> you would get everything you want in life. She is sneezing at me. They are just yeah. They are. They are the best thing in the world and the biggest, uh, the biggest burden. Like <laughs> Frosty's, like uh, I love you, but go to the light, buddy. <laughs> I, I won't edit that out because I think any pet lover can can feel the same thing. I mean that it, it is such when they get to the end of the line and you know you're preparing with 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 Dixie. It was about a year of torment of you know what do we do? But she you know she couldn't go outside anymore to go to the bathroom. Yeah. Um, she couldn't get up and down stairs. It was time and it was difficult. And sometimes, don't you wonder? Is it? Do you ever go through this debate with your with yourself or with your wife that is it worth the pain for how much you love your pets when it's time for them to depart? Is it is it is it worth the pain because it is awful? Yeah, I've I haven't actually had. Uh, these are my first three dogs. My my uh, when I was a kid, my mom never let me have dogs. You know, mm-hmm. and then. Uh, cause she was, uh, you know, she can't, uh, she was a germ freak, you know? Yeah. So she's like, can't have, can't have too much love in the house. And, uh, but she, uh, these are my first three and they've all, um, I've had them for about 10, 11 years and then Mo the third one for like eight. And so I've never had a dog die and, uh, I don't, I am not prepared. So I just, I don't, I think they're going to be, I, I'm going to put robot legs on them, little androids. <laughs> And have them just live forever, live in perpetuity. Yeah, I, I, I was joking about the light thing, but yeah, it's, uh, yeah, no, it's of course it's always worth it, you know. But you know, it's just oh, but Frosty, Frosty is such a pain, even in his best times. Like I can't imagine when he really starts to go downhill because he somehow seems really healthy. So <laughs> when he goes, he's gonna be like, he's gonna need like so much stuff. I can't even imagine if a dog can have a wheelchair. Probably he's probably gonna. You know, he's probably going to take up smoking. Uh, <laughs> oh, my God, I can't imagine. One thing I've got to make sure I direct our listeners to, and uh, and I hope you all come out to see Mike when he's in town because uh, he's got a terrific act. But since, since I last spoke to you, um, I remember that your dry bar special was – either already just cut and not released or you were about to record it. So of course in, in, in my prep, I watched and it is terrific. Um, Thank you. It is not afraid of uh, butterflies. You can easily get it uh, on, on dry bar, but you seen your act. And I, I had seen some clips when I interviewed you last time, but you know, getting to absorb your full act and, and the physicality of your act, I've got to compliment you on it. I'm, I'm a comic as well. And um, the physicality was kind of one of the things that came a little bit later as I was learning the craft. But when you, when you act out frosty, ignoring your hand signals, you know, because frosty's deaf for our listeners who don't know, it was, it was hilarious. I, I was, I was, I was rolling. I really compliment you on how you command the stage and the material. Oh, thank you. 
Yeah, you know, I just kind of have fun on stage, and I, I just kind of feel like I always, I'm not a musician, and I, I don't know if I, I just don't have any musical talents at all, <laughs> and I was always really into, like, punk rock and stuff, and, mm -hmm. like, I'm not saying I'm, like, a punk rock person or anything like that, like, on stage, but I just, like, I kind of get that, it's just hard to explain, like, I get, like, into it, and then I, I'm not, like, crazy, I don't, like, wave my hands around and do, like, cartwheels or anything like that, but, like, Sometimes it's just kind of fun to just kind of be in the zone and feel all that. I don't know. It's hard to explain. No, I, I totally get it because and it, and it rings a bell from our first conversation because I, too, I have the punk rock ethos. I was kind of a metal and punk rock kid and what's a little bit musical. I was in bands, but that's the way I view my comedy. I just I, I, I like I, I that's my favorite thing about being on stage for that 45 minutes. I'm going to do my thing any way I want to. And I kind of try and bring some of that punk attitude to it. And it's right. it's fun. It's my it's it's my thing. Right, right, right. That's awesome. Do you um, – now, let me ask you. I've always um, – I'm, I'm fascinated. I've had, I've had um, so many guests who have, who have done a dry bar. They've become so um, so popular over the last couple of years. But it's not like – I know your material. I know your act. Um, I listened to uh, Sell Me a Bridge, which, again, is an excellent record. I think it came out about five years ago in preparation for our interview. And you're, you're not a squeaky clean comic. I mean, you don't go – over the top or dark places, but was it a challenge to pull together a super clean set for the dry bar or did you already have it in the bag? No, it wasn't hard for me. Um, I, I kind of view myself like, yeah, I do swear on that album and I, I do view myself as like, a I think of myself as a clean comic who swears. Yeah. Exactly. You know, mm -hmm. like I don't really have like dirty, like, like raunchy jokes or anything like that. Um, but it's not that I have anything against that. I, I think funny is funny. Mm -hmm. It's just kind of a personal style kind of thing. And also, like, I I used to write jokes with, like, swearing in it. And then I, if I had to clean it up, it would be hard. I'd have to like, okay, I have to do this. I'd take this out. So now I try to write jokes clean so, you know, that I could already be prepared to do that. So when I did the dry bar, there was a couple jokes I just had to rewrite, like, mm -hmm. a little bit, you know? Like, I didn't have anything super dirty. It was just maybe, like, a swear word. And once you get a swear word in, you get used to it. You get used to the cadence. You get used to that beat, you know? So that one I had to, like, rewrite a couple lines. But overall, it wasn't that hard because I didn't have any, like... And if something was, like, dirty, I just, you know, I just didn't do it for the dry bar. But uh, those that was actually kind of a good lesson was to record that, which is to be just, like... I, I kind of want to write my jokes clean. So then if if I want to go dirty, I can go dirty. It's not hard. It's easier you know? to do it that way. It's easier to... Yeah, to... I mean, I'm not trying to say that, like, it's easier to do clean versus dirty or d dirty versus clean either way. But just as far as, like, you know, once you get, like, an F word or something in your line, it it's you get used to it. You get used to that punch. You know what I mean? Right. So Absolutely. it's harder yeah. to, to, to get it out once it's out. So... I just think it's easier to just write it clean. And then if you, and if somebody like, you know, sometimes I do cruise ships and they'll be like, Hey, late show, be dirty. We want dirty. We need dirty. You know, like fine. Then I could, <laughs> could toss it in there. It's real easy you know, that way. So I, it's, 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 but, yeah. it's so funny to the similarities, uh, because I, I too, like when people, and it's, it's, it's almost inevitably more family members and, and friends, people who know me outside of my comedy life said, well, are you, are you dirty? Or, you know, like, well, you know what? I don't, I swear in my act, but it's not, it's not real. It's not dirty. Now, of course, 
anyone who was at my shows this weekend is rolling their eyes because two nights in a row I closed on a thing about anal sex, which was just random. It was something uh. from deep in the trove. But but and, and believe me not for that subject matter, um, it, it's as clean as a bit as it can be. But it, it obviously gets rough around the edges. But it is funny. You can be you can swear and use some curse words in, in your act, but still overall be a clean comic. They're not mutually exclusive. Right. Right. No, I, I've seen one. I worked with a comic once where he said he swore like every other word. And then a lady was came up to him afterwards. And she was like, thank you so much for being clean. He's like, are you serious? <laughs> <laughs> because he didn't, you know, he didn't do any like sexual stuff or anything. So she like she I guess she didn't notice. Well, it's it's interesting, too. Um, guys like you, uh, I've never worked a ship. I've uh, I've got friends who work them uh, regularly. Uh, just had. um uh, Rob Little on a couple of weeks ago. I don't know if you've ever worked with Rob, but uh, oh, yeah. I've known him for years and he's he's doing great on the cruise ships. And, you know, comics who get that opportunity and do well on the ships, for the most part, you do have to have a clean dry bar type set. But then there are demands on you sometimes. Say, hey, for the late show on Saturday, let it rip. <laughs> yeah. So I, I, yeah. I don't know if one is more fun than the other. I guess they both are a challenge in their own right. If you do a clean show at 9 and you do a dirty show at 10.30, that's got to be interesting. Yeah, you know, I, I got into cruises right after right after I filmed my dry bar. I basically just, that's how I got in. I was like, hey, I, you know, got a dry bar. They're like, oh, okay. You know, like, it's, like it's oh, yeah. proof. Absolutely. You know? um, yeah, you know, the, um, let me, it's hard to explain, but sometimes there's like, you know, the, the 6.30 clean shows can be hard because 6.30 can be difficult, you know, yeah. or, or uh, earlier, you know, if people are just not ready, you know. But it is, I look at all of it as a challenge, like in a fun way. Like, it's like, okay, you're giving me a 6 o'clock G show full of kids. Like, can I pull that off? And then can I later on do a 10.31 that's like, as they say, I think they call it, they don't say X because that would be like having sex on stage. <laughs> right. Live sex show <laughs> and Mike Brody. <laughs> yeah. But like, you know, but then you're like, can I do that? And like, I, I, I don't look at it as like anybody's telling me what to do. I'm like, okay, do I have the, do I have the, the muscle here to, to do this and then to do that? And I think that's, I'd rather be a versatile rounded comic, you know? Well, absolutely. Be able, be, be able to do either. You know, one thing that I really enjoyed too, and kind of doing my, Mike Brody rabbit hole prep here over the weekend is I always try and find something other, you know, other than the clips on your website or the, you know, the ones that have thousands and thousands of likes. I, I, I always try and go off the beaten path. And you, you had one that really struck a nerve with me. It was just a random small six or seven minute uh, road vlog that you had done. And I think it's pretty recent. I think it's within the last year, but you're doing a one nighter an hour outside of uh, you live in the Twin Cities, correct? Yeah. So you're an hour outside the Twin Cities. You get the gig comes with a hotel, even though it's an hour away. And you do what I've done many times. I don't spend the night, but I go there and crash for a couple hours, maybe get a nap in. Um, You hook up with an old friend who you used to do comedy with. It's you know, it's kind of a typical bar gig. But what I loved about that is years from now, when I'm in when I'm in the comics retirement home, I think some of my best memories will be. Not necessarily some of the big shows I've had. And, you know, I've had a few theater shows and, you know, I've headlined some big clubs. But it's that vibe of going to a small town and entertaining people on a Saturday night. I thought that vlog just captured so well what it's about. Oh, thank you. That's awesome. Yeah, it it is fun. And I think that, like like you just mentioned, you know, that is kind of part of comedy and part of the fun part. But, like, 
you know, we, in our experience, we've done stuff where we've done big theaters, and then sometimes you do little tiny rooms, and it's all comedy, you mm -hmm. know? It's all in, you know, and I don't think, like, you can have a career where you're, like, a star, and then, you know, your star fades a little bit, and then you're back on the road again. Like, I don't think you had ever end, no. you know? So the best you can do is just have fun with it, and I think that, you know, some, some of the most fun shows I've ever had have been in front of four people. Yeah. When, I mean, you, you don't. Know? You don't hope for it. No, <laughs> you know, but, no, no. But one time I, it was, I was in the northern woods of Minnesota, and there was four people, and I was like, "Oh, it's gonna be horrible." And then the four people were the greatest four people ever. I was like, "Oh, great!" And then the next night there were eight people, and I was like, "Oh, this is gonna be twice as good." And then it was horrendous. Yeah, it's uh, some of those really, really uh, small shows can be a little bit challenging, but they can also be a lot of fun. And you have to acknowledge that the comics who make a mistake is when they come out in front of a dozen people and feel like they're playing, you know, act like they're playing the Apollo, you know, packed on a right, Saturday night. Right. You've got to acknowledge the like weirdness. To, yeah, I like to I like to personalize the show. Like, you know, sometimes I'm in the mood. I just do all jokes. Sometimes I talk to the crowd, but I like to like look at them and like, you know, tell jokes at them, you know, to them, you know, and not like in an aggressive way, but like, I like to let them know that I can see them and that I'm not behind a glass wall. You know, it's not like TV, they say, you know, yeah. mm -hmm. and I think that makes those kind of shows better. Well, don't you, more don't you find, I, I do like to talk to the crowd. Uh, don't you find too on kind of, um, you know, uh, you're, you're obviously a Midwestern based comic and I see some of your, some of your gigs and overlap in some of those towns, but it's a weird mix because when you, when you basically hub out of the Midwest, you play a lot of big cities, you play Milwaukee and the twin cities and Detroit and Cleveland and Chicago, but there are a ton of small and medium sized gigs, one nighters that I've always found showing up, uh, God, I'm trying trying to drive. I'm drawing a blank on the name of the town, but I did a, I did a gig last year about a hundred miles northwest of Madison, Wisconsin. I was like, I had to fly into Madison, rent a car. I was like, oh my God, will I ever get there? And just zooming into that town and doing two shows on a Saturday night, the people were so grateful that someone came to their town and entertained, and they couldn't have been kinder. It was just so much fun. Oh yeah. Oh, yeah. No, it's uh, it's funny. I was talking to a booker from, they're from, I think they booked the North Pacific Northwest or something like that. But they were like, they're like, they basically asked me if I wanted to come in and do a gig in uh, a certain part of the, that country, and I I will go anywhere. I go all over the country, you know, and mm -hmm. I you know do gigs in California and stuff. But if it doesn't make sense financially, I don't do it. Like, if, you know, if the gig doesn't pay well enough, and I'm flying that far, I'm like, I'm, like, I'm sorry, I can't do it. And they go, oh, I, uh, you want to do this or that? And I go, I can't. You know, Minneapolis doesn't make sense to me. And they go, yes, it's very hard to be a comedian in that part of the country. I'm like, it's actually not. Like, oh, what are you talking right. about? Like, like <laughs> what you're just talking about? There's tons of gigs. Oh, I, yeah. I make, you know, and I go all over the country. But, like, I have, I have, um, you know, I have full schedule. Yeah, and I saw you've got I saw you got the comedy cave, uh, the comedy cave in uh, Calgary coming up too because that's another a lot of comics who are based out of other parts of the country don't understand how fertile of a ground Canada is and how much fun the shows yeah. are. Yeah, so I mean, it's people. Sometimes people are more like you said they're grateful because all they have is a movie theater that plays movies six months after they come out. Oh you yeah, know? absolutely. So you know, it, and I. It's you know it's fun like you know I'm I'm sure you're the same you know we've done small towns we've done big cities and we just want to make people laugh oh yeah well the challenge of 
the challenge you pull into, you know, you, you've had it in your GPS for three hours, you know, you're 180 miles away. Okay. You're, you're 75. Oh my gosh, 25 minutes. I'm there. And you pull in and there's like five cars. Yeah. <laughs> you walk in the, the stage is up on milk crates and you know what? No preconceived notions. You're getting paid, have fun and see what happens. And a lot of times they exceed your expectations. Sometimes, Sometimes the way the club looks in the park, parking lot is metaphorical for how it's going to go. But those seem to right. be fewer and far between, knock on wood. That's funny. Yeah, you know, honestly, that's what I like about doing cruises when I do cruises because they, they, they pay for all travel. And you never have a show with just five people unless something weird happens. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's always they're packed, you know, because they're on a ship in the middle of the ocean. And what else are you going to do? Well, I I think, too, one of the huge benefits is you're just doing so many sets per week that it just gets you so sharp. You must feel like Superman when you get off uh, when you get off back to back cruise runs. Oh, yeah. Well, when I first started doing cruises, even though I had been doing comedy forever and I was a headliner, you still have to start at the bottom. It's a new like, you know, so I had to MC when I first started doing cruises uh, which, you know, I, I cycled through that pretty fast, but I had to, you know, even though I've been doing it 20 years, I had to like, you know, do that. And, um, I had to do the first week I had to do 14 shows in a week. Oh, wow. So it gets you yeah. sharp. Yeah. And now there's less obviously cause I'm headlining it. But, uh, but yeah, I was like 14. I had to like, and I was trying to do different material every single show to show that I had the time so I could headline. And so I had to like really keep detailed notes because otherwise you'd be like, did I do this joke already? I can't like it's, <laughs> after 14 shows, you start to lose your mind. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. You know, one thing too, that I want to mention that I always make a point of it whenever I have um, a, a Minnesota or a Twin Cities based comic is people who have never been there. The Twin Cities are so badass. I always say if, if they had a more agreeable climate, people would move there like they do to Atlanta mm-hmm. or Charlotte. It's just such such a cool town or towns, I guess I should say. Yeah, I mean, yeah, but uh, St. Paul's okay. A uh, <laughs> You're a snob. No, it is. It is. I love. I love the Twin Cities. It is, and if you can deal with the weather, which I I'm used to it. Yeah, it's like there's no place I'd rather live. <laughs> it's funny. And, I, you know, it has a really great comedy scene, and it's always had a really great comedy oh, scene and music so, scene. I mean, gosh, yeah, uh, you know, I actually think I I don't know that it would be what it is without the weather because I think that there's a certain element of yeah. you know, um, entertaining yourself. You know. And, you know, like Royal Oak, you know, in the Detroit area, you know, it's cold there, too. So I think there's an element of, of understanding that. But I, there's just a kind of an artsy quality to the, to the Twin Cities that, like, if you're looking for, yeah, like you said, like theater, comedy, music, it's all there. And, and this, and I'm not even kidding, this is not me being sarcastic. I mean this sincerely. There's a huge rehab center called Hazelden here. Right. Yeah. And then, you know, I, I it's my belief that a lot of people that are addicts are artistic people that just can't. They're, they're struggling, you yeah. know, mm-hmm. and a lot of people, they get here, they sober up and then they stay. So I think yeah. that even that adds to the thing. There's a lot of like really cool people that are really talented. They're like, oh, yeah, I went to rehab and I like to hear. I know from it's funny too. just, uh, you know, uh, doing the run through uh, of your album over the weekend, the uh, Sell Me a Bridge album. You've got a great Brit uh, sobriety 
uh, sobriety is a tricky thing, I think is the name of the bit and yeah. uh, connected with a lot of that stuff. There's also one, one thing that I wanted to make sure that I got in in our remi- remaining time here. And again, I can't thank you enough. I know we got our time zones a little bit crossed, uh, ladies and gentlemen. So Mike, for what time it is where he is, is being very engaging. So I compliment you for that. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't even take my Invisalign out. You know? <laughs> I didn't put my pants on. So we're, we're, we're being real casual here. Um, no, but, that's, I, I expected that. You actually told me that. that, that, that <laughs> I did my interview without my pants on. <laughs> Deal with it. The, um, another thing that we have in common, I think I'm a few years older than you, but we're in the same general range. But mm. I, too... Um, have some neurosis about, um, I was a fat kid who then turned into an athletic kid and a decent shape adult. And now I've been up and down a little bit. There's been times and I've been heavier than what I would like to be. And I've struggled with the same, oh my God, shirts off at the water park. Now I think I'll leave mine on, you know, even at my age now and being reasonable shape, I've got those scars, but that's a big part. You, you're a big guy. You're what? Six, five. Yeah. And when I look at you, when I look at you on the dry bar, yeah, I mean, you you don't look like a, a triathlete, but you look like you're in decent enough shape. Um, so I know a little bit of about your neurosis and, and struggle struggle with weight up and down. Does that go back to childhood? Were you a big kid? Were you bullied? Was I and was I? Did you say was I bullied or was I rolly? Uh, <laughs> well, I guess both. But were you were, were you a big kid? Not just from height and, and weight. As a kid, did you stick out? Were you bullied because of it? Okay, I see. I was always tall. I was at the tall end. So growing up, like if if there was like the tall kids, I was at least like in that bracket because I was on the low end of it. Mm-hmm. And then I grew eight inches in one year, and I was six foot five. And then I was way tall. Oh my gosh! I mean, so and I think maybe I was six four, and then mm-hmm. I grew I grew an inch later. But um, I had a metabolism that I don't know. I don't know how metabolism works. So either. Basically, I think maybe my body knew I was going to grow eight inches. For whatever reason, I could eat literally, literally eat anything I wanted, and I would be a beanpole. Like, you know, so until I was 23, I was real thin. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's, it's just a hard thing to change, you know, when you're an adult. Like, you're like, yeah, I know I can't eat this anymore. But you're right. like, well, I spent my formative years up to 23 just doing whatever the hell I wanted, you know? So like, what do do you mean? I can't have two pizzas and a a (laughs) vat of ice cream and then a bunch of Twizzlers and then some cupcakes like, you know, so, and I did get bullied a lot, but I think it was because I just, I'm a comic. And I think that, you know, we have that energy that like we react, you know, and I think bullies love that. Yeah. You know, I think, I think that I, I was quiet kid, but when they bullied me, I'd be like, and I think they're like, Oh, this is exactly what I was looking for. Um, the bully and, and the so DNA have some uh, similar, or the, the the bully and the heckler have some similar DNA. I've always found that over the yes. years. Yes, <laughs> and then yes, and then so as far as the weight, yeah, that's why my weight goes up and down because I always forget, and then I get back. I think I'm naturally, I'm actually skinnier now than I was in the dry bar video. I'm about 10, 15 pounds thinner than that. So, but you know, it just it does it, it happens. It goes all the time. So my goal is to not yo-yo as much. But as far as the heckler and the bully. I actually had some problems when I first started doing comedy and getting good at it. And I started being able to tear hecklers apart. Something in my brain was like, Oh, it's on everybody. Like, you know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. I, it was like some psychosis from when I was a kid. So if somebody would like say something shitty to me at the dairy queen, and be like, you know, like I would, uh, Oh man. And so I had to like kind of tone that down because it was like, 
I got bullied so much my whole life, and then a heckler is somebody who comes in and they want to destroy what you're doing. <laughs> and it's hard not to take it personal. Oh, yeah. And now I don't, like, I've, I've, I've chilled out again, you know, because, as you know, there's different kinds of hecklers. There's people who heckle who don't realize they're heckling. Right. There's people who heckle who think they're helping. Yes. You know, um, they're, they're, the malicious heckler is actually the rarest kind of heckler. It's it's the one who feels that he or she is the smartest and funniest person in the room at all times. And this comic ain't shit. I'm more entertaining than them. Yeah, those are, I think, the minority, but they are a huge pain in the ass and a very specific type of person. <laughs> yeah. And they do come up to you afterwards and they go, glad, glad I could help. Yeah. And, uh, and, uh, and they yeah. And they do. And you if you talk to them, unfortunately, for enough, you could find out like, oh, yeah, you know, I, I could do this. You know, I go yeah. like, OK, well, why don't you carve out your own time? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> um, the worst I but see, that's the thing. If somebody's a mean heckler, I can tear them apart and everybody will. Yes. Like if you, if you do it right, the crowd will totally go. for it. The only time they don't is if they can't hear what they're saying. And suddenly you just like a psychopath who just starts yelling at somebody for no reason. But the worst kind of heckler is like the sweet, like the sweet old lady who doesn't understand that right. she can't interrupt you in the middle of a punchline. And, you know, and then you're like, you want to be like, well, you just, you know, but then you're yelling at an old lady. So you just go, oh, okay. I, yeah. I've been obsessing now for not quite, I guess, 36 hours. So on my, my Saturday show, I was up in Traverse City this week and had a lot of fun, good shows. But on Saturday, which otherwise was a really good show, front table, I think it was an eight top. They're having a good time, except one lady sitting right dead in front of me. And the way the place was lit, I could only see the first couple rows real well anyway. And she's right in my line of vision. She hated me. She made cringe faces at every punchline. She pulled her phone out three or four times, never said anything, but Mm. just sat there looking at her phone. And that one befuddled me. I have a tough time going after that one because I think all that would come out would be anger uh, because they're very passive aggressive in letting them, letting you know that they're disinterested. (laughs) Right. Right. You know, and, I that's a tricky one because I I I tend to believe that people you're never going to make 100% of people laugh. Right. But when they go out of their way to make it obvious that's t- difficult. because uh, I've had shows before where I was like killing and like, you know, the whole room is laughing except for two people and I almost said something to them because it was like so egregious. Like yeah. everybody was laughing except for them and I'm usually not that person but I almost said something and then I didn't and they came up to me after the show and they go, "Hey, I want to let you know, like we're brother and sister and our dad just died last week. Oh, and this is no. our first time, you know, being Jeez. out in public. And we just wanted to know that we had such a great time and thank you for helping us forget. I'm like, wow, I'm really <laughs> glad that I didn't scream at you and call you a bunch of names. Yeah, that's, it's funny. Every comic has the same thing. The whole room can be rocking and rolling, but you obsess on the, uh, on the, on the couple people who don't. But, uh, yeah, sometimes you just have to bite your – sometimes you do have to bite your tongue and just, yeah, well, and, and just also, grind through it. Yeah. And also, you know, I've had people who look like they wanted to kill me. And then after the show, they're like, you're the funniest dude I've ever seen. And like, oh, okay. oh, yeah. All right. Yeah. You have a weird way of showing it. By, yeah. I've, 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 I've had people who are total assholes, and then they're buying me drinks. I said, well, you know what? I prefer not to have the drink. I just wish you didn't yeah. step on all my punchlines tonight. Right, right, right. <laughs> You know, one one final thing I'll mention is, you know, we, we, we talked about, you know, you've got kind of that that punk ethos well, as well as as far as how you approach comedy and just from someone who was in bands a little bit in, in my late teens, early 20s, a musician, 
there's tons of times our band didn't go over, but sometimes the worst you would get is uh, someone come up to, to, hey, you know what? I don't really dig your stuff, but that drummer's really good. Or, you know, that, that, that hook on that one tune, that was pretty cool. Now my topic, you know, it's, it's, it's a little bit more cordial. There's something about when somebody doesn't like a comic, they take it personal. They're hostile. It's just so yeah. weird. The hostility you get when you don't go over with someone for whatever reason. Right. Because when, when they don't like you, it's not their, it's you, they don't like, exactly. you know, it's not only is it just you, but it's like, you're up there talking about like what you believe in. And they, so like, they don't like you to your core, you know, <laughs> which is like the worst thing. Cause then you're like, Oh God, like, you know, you do your last show and, and it doesn't go well. And you're like, I have to live with this until next time. Oh, exactly. Especially that's bad for cruises. You're like, Oh, I have to like see these people for seven days. Uh, but yeah, you know, there's something about music where it's just a different, like you can play the same songs every show. And they'll be like, yeah, cool. Awesome. You know, yeah. comedy, you know, if it's the same crowd, you can't repeat anything, you know? And yeah. so it is a different thing. And so, you know, but, but, but on the flip side, if they love you, you're God. Oh, exactly. Yes. You it know? does so go both a, ways. You take the good with the bad. Like there's been times where like, I mean, I, I obviously don't say this on stage, but there's been times where I was killing so hard where I'm like, come on, it's not, it's not that funny. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like, you know, but it's just the way, if you live by the sword, you die by the sword. You know? Oh, comedy. What a what a wonderfully complex mistress. Yes. <laughs> well, I've appreciated you doing this. I've enjoyed myself as I did last time. You're uh you're 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 a pros pro, you've got great material, you're a dog lover, you're checking all the boxes, Mike Brody. We can't wait to have you in town. <laughs> Thanks, man. I appreciate it. Thanks. We'll see you in a couple weeks. All right, take Bye-bye. care. There you have it. Thank you to Mike. That was a good time. I, I hope I hope you listeners know, just if you follow the show weekly, and I sure hope that you do, uh, I, I have a high level of enthusiasm in general to talk to other comics about comedy. Uh, I love love shooting the shift. I love shooting the shit with, with people in general. I don't know if it's a blessing or a curse sometimes, but I do have the gift of gab. Uh, but Mike, certainly, he's a great example of someone that I was excited to talk to, loved his material, enjoyed speaking to him last time, and it's just a great way we recorded that interview at, set, no, excuse me, 8.30 a.m. <laughs> so um, to start my day that with my coffee and talking comedy with someone fun really was cool. So thank you to Mike. Thank you to all of you who listen and support the show. Can't thank you enough. Surely do appreciate it. Make sure you subscribe if you haven't already. Spread the word. Leave a comment. Keep telling people about our little weekly comedy get-together here, originating from one of the top comedy clubs in America, Mark Ridley's Comedy Castle. We will keep giving you, bringing you the top comics in America on a weekly basis. Thank you to Joel Fragamenti, who does such a great job producing the show. Does a lot of things that are great in the local comedy community. Works, Works at the castle, helps run the showroom there. Runs the advanced comedy classes. He's an icon. And on top of all of his other responsibilities, he twists the dials on this little get-together. And we sure do appreciate it. So when you see him out and about, give him a thank you. Thank you to all of you. Until next week, this is Tom McCarthy for Mark Ridley's Comedy Castle Podcast. (laughs) 